and welcome to an amazingly musical episode of Retrovaniacs. As always, I'm Jeremy Parmentier here with Billy Holiday. Hello there. And Jeremy Gregory. Hey guys. And this week we're going to take our first step into the whatever the Dreamcast era is, uh, that, whatever tier of video games that is, uh, as we look at Space Channel 5, a uh, musical game. We haven't done too many music-based games either, if any, I think. Uh, so this will be very interesting. But before we get into that, uh, normally we tell you what we've been playing since the last episode, but uh, off mic we more or less have all admitted we haven't been playing much. I, for example, bought the new Monster Hunter expansion and have not put any time into it uh, because I've been too busy playing this and, and working, and uh, we've just been playing the same games. So uh, one of the things we wanted to talk about later, but we'll just do now, was the most recent Nintendo Direct, which, as far as I can tell, was designed specifically for me. But maybe Ooh. other people enjoyed the things that were announced. They talked about you know, a, a brand new uh, Deadly Premonition, which is one of the best things I've ever heard. Uh, oh, there, yeah. there, there was, there was uh, like free DLC immediately for uh, for Tetris 99, which is something I can't stop playing, which is honestly all I've been playing since our last episode. What, what were the major announcements on that uh, that you guys were excited about? Well, I was, I was of course, uh, hoping for a little bit of Animal Crossing news and, and was not disappointed. I, I love what I see so far, uh, which, I mean, it's fucking Animal Crossing. Uh, there, there's not much you really have to give me. I'm not looking for much in terms of innovation. Uh, I just I just want it on that Switch. I think it's going to be a perfect game for it. Uh, and uh, hopefully it'll help erase the guilt of abandoning my other towns. Uh, I got back on the 3DS Animal Crossing not too long ago and was severely guilted by every townsperson and made to pull a ton of fucking weeds uh that and i was right there with you for deadly permission too i did not think that was something that was ever going to exist uh not only that but they they put the first one out out on the switch uh which i'll be getting but it, it came at a price tag that for a game I, i've picked up twice now i couldn't go i couldn't go full price on but I am eagerly anticipating it, and I was I was somewhat interested in the the kind of free to play Kirby game they put out. Uh, it, it's sort of like a, a multiplayer game where you just battle a series of of huge bosses and upgrade and whatnot. But I I played, and I can tell it's going to be one of those that I I like right now. But it's kind of it's one of those energy based games. Uh, where you know there's there's a timer to refill your energy and all that, and I'm sure there are going to be some uh, some microtransactions out the ass later on in that game. But I'm enjoying it for the for the you know several hours of fun I'll probably get out of it. But altogether, I mean, it's it was a strong showing. Um, you know, the Smash Brothers news is always pretty damn exciting, uh, and I thought it was just a strong showing altogether. Uh, you know, after the the Tetris DLC and then the Deadly Premonition 2 and then mm. the immediate release of Deadly Premonition 1 uh, on that day, I, I was just thinking to myself, this is the show of dreams for Jeremy P. Like, oh, if, yeah. he, if he was actually watching it, which I don't think you were, I think you were just like uh, listening or like watching us type this stuff. <laughs> and, but I, I can't even imagine what you had been doing if you had been watching this and a trailer for deadly premonition two came up um i i just it just blew my mind that these things ca- i thought i just kind of wandered into jeremy p's fantasy world mm-hmm. and uh but then they th- there were a few things that i was actually kind of excited for which was um uh i i guess like trials of mana i want to stay like i, I want to be excited for that because it's basically just a remake of secret of mana or seeking the Netsu three the one that never made it over here until the last collection and uh, they're actually remaking that into, it looks like a pretty modern looking game. It, it, it's not going to be like that very basic remake of Secret of Mana that they did uh, a few years ago or whatever. Like, this looks like a proper game. And I'm pretty excited that Square has decided to, to devote any sort of energy to remaking that game. Uh, for one, that we never even got the original here. And then to have a full on remake of it uh, looks amazing. Um, but then I, I guess for me, the, the most excited that I got was when they just randomly announced uh, Super NES, uh, mm. the, you know, for the uh, Switch Online thing now. Uh, it's its own separate console sitting right there next to the, uh, the NES. And I, I was just like, I finally, like if you'd listened to the bonus show uh, that we did, we discussed 
how much that that um, Switch Online NES thing was just probably just at the end of its <laughs> it's, it's done. There's nothing else that can really come out on that that would excite me. And we were all in in agreement that maybe the Super NES should just you know come up in its year anniversary, and it did. It actually did mm-hmm. uh, with 20 games and pretty decent selection of games right off the bat. I was so yeah. I, yeah, I was really excited about that. Yeah, it was it was a strong library they put out there, and not which my fear was that it was just going to be everything that was on the classic exactly, uh, and it was just going to be out there, and it's going to be like, oh, well, I mean that's good, but I mean I've got I've got the, you know I I've been playing these recently, you know I could hook this thing up easy and play it, uh, but no, they put some some very some varied titles out there, some things that I I really didn't think. Uh, we're going to appear, uh, but I was was happy with what they put out. Um, I stayed away from any anything that had a comment section in regards to this because I knew I was going to be extraordinarily angry because the, the people who have been clamoring for the uh, Super Nintendo on there. We're now not going to be fucking happy with that, and we're going to move on to when's the 64 coming out, which I did check a few comments, and yes, that was the case because... Can't make people fucking happy for long. Well, those people are insane because there's yes. that when when the yes. sixty four comes out on there, that's when I'm just like I don't care anymore. Like I, I sixty four was just one of those consoles I never really cared about besides like yeah. two games on it. Yes. So all of these people that just that are just like flipping out if the sixty four would ever come on that, I, I, I can't get behind it. It's just not exciting to me. I'm and excited I, for the Super NES. That's what I got. Yes, and I am too. And and I'm a you know I'm a Nintendo man through and through. I think early on when the show came out, I was I was critical. But Nintendo, you know, they they fucking made me eat my words for that Switch. Uh, but I back then I was just a diehard Nintendo man, and even I uh, was not very. You know, I can't get too excited about the N64 because I know in all reality, uh, we're talking about like less than ten awesome games. But yeah, I mean, the, the Super Nintendo games are out there, and fucking they put tennis on there. That Super Nintendo tennis game, Pilot Wings. Yeah, I love Pilot uh, Wings. I was excited there, that that's there. Yes, there are some hits on there. Yeah, so now we just get to uh, see how Nintendo can drip feed this over the course of a year. Uh, and of course, immediately after the news of this broke, there was something uh, that, that one somebody at Nintendo said that maybe they're not going to do monthly releases anymore. And instead, they would do, like, drops every few months or something. Maybe you'd get more games. Um, so I, I'm not sure going forward if they're going to continue doing the monthly releases. Uh, but I don't know. I, I'm just happy I got my Super NES games. And if they can keep uh, keep some decent games coming on it, then then I'm I'm happy with Switch Online at this point, finally. Yeah, I mean, I mean they hit you with 20 of them. I have to assume maybe that's, the, you know, that's why it kicked off with, with uh with that large number i mean unless you're getting on every game and only playing it for a couple minutes i mean that's enough super nintendo to last you for a little bit um so i I did not get the impression that means they're going to do it more often um yeah oh god no it's it's nintendo (laughs) (laughs) i would be content with you know with uh, a longer wait but uh, maybe a bigger batch when it hits um but we'll see well i mean i am with what they have on there right now uh I, I mean it's not like anybody is just counting on what's on there for you know what they get to play i mean between the other games i'm playing elsewhere and and what they have on there i think it's it's a generous enough offering right now well one of the games that's not on there uh because it was only on the dreamcast and later on on the playstation 2 space channel 5 Now this, I am excited as shit for this. The Dreamcast finally on here. And I was a big Dreamcast man. I picked mine up shortly after launch. Part of of living in a small shitty town was that when things hit the stores, they didn't sell out that often. Because nobody in my town was really buying video games for the most part. Um, And 
you know, I had the, you know, the usual titles. I had Crazy Taxi, House of the Dead 2. Uh, and those were fine. Uh, you know, those were, were great kind of arcade experiences. But Space Channel 5, when I picked this thing up, this was something uh, unlike most games I had played before. And, and it was just such a unique game. And it, it stood out to me for years on down the road. And this is something that every now and then when I'd hook the Dreamcast up, I would pop this one in and, and at least play around for a little bit. And I was always a fan of rhythm games in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, from Parappa to Buster Groove and all that stuff. Like I, mm. I loved any sort of uh, rhythm game I could get my hands on. And I saw this in the Dreamcast magazine. And of course, God bless them. They, they had to get excited about every single game that came out <laughs> on the Dreamcast. Like anything. They were as bad as game fan about hyping games. Uh, and Space Channel 5, big, big exclusive from Sega. So it was this giant spread of just like, oh my God, this is the most amazing rhythm game that's ever been released you got to play it as soon as it comes out and uh i i did i grabbed it as soon as it came out um it's it's a weird rhythm game to me it Mm. it really kind of stands out in my mind as as far as just it's not the classic style of rhythm games as far as a bar going across the screen and you pressing the button as it goes through Mm -hmm. uh jeremy i think described it best earlier when we were talking uh it's more like a game of simon says yes Uh, and in a in rhythm form so that was that kind of put me off to it but then i was like you know as much as i i don't know if i really enjoy playing this this game's fucking weird like everything about it is just super weird japanese stuff and i love that and that carried me through the game and at some point in in the last 15 years or so i have really gotten to enjoy space channel 5 every single time i sit Mm -hmm. down to it well, yeah, you mentioned that it's, it's you know, you were big into rhythm games, so this was something you had to get. I'm I'm in the same boat. I mean, I guess my first major, uh, and I'm sure there were other games that had music, but the one I can remember that really set it off for me was Parappa. Like, the first time I played it on PlayStation, I was like, this is weird. Why would you want to play this? And uh, and some people just didn't get it. I guess if you don't have good rhythm or just don't care for, for that kind of gameplay, it's just like, yeah, this is, I, I don't get it. I can't score well. What's the point? I'm hooked on those games. I love them. I download them as much as I can as far as, you know, I grabbed both Persona 3 and 5 Dancing All Night on the Vita uh, because they were on sale. And that's a crazy rhythm game where things fly out from the center of the screen and you have to use basically every button on that Vita for different moves. Uh, this is a much simpler game. But but I think that's because I've played, you know, 50 rhythm games up to that point. Billy, are you a big rhythm I, I, game guy or no? Oh, yeah. I, I am a huge uh, rhythm game fan. And, and of course, I think... I, was Parappa, I guess, the the first like major one to hit around here? Because I mean, I think it's the the kind of the first for all three of us. Uh, it was it was something that I rented and I took it back and I didn't know how I felt about it uh, at all. By the and I was awful at it. Um, and then I picked it up again and I would subsequently rent it. You know, another two or three times. And and I found it was one of those that uh, when you first get on there, uh, you uh, and I have no rhythm at all um anybody that has been in any club with me can attest to it uh but yeah i I finally kind of kind of sat down there you kind of tap your tap your foot a little bit to it and and you pick it up and once you pick up a rhythm game and you are knocking down those levels and you're getting through through it uh there are few gaming experiences that are more fun than that so yeah i uh you know parappa kind of got me i mean honestly if we go back i guess uh mc hammer tiger was uh was a, a, I, a I, I, maybe the grandfather of rhythm games. I still disagree that it's a game, but I understand where you're coming from. <laughs> but yeah, but starting with Parappa, it was it was a series of games that I really got hooked on. Everything from Parappa to DDR when it came around, and of, of course, like I said, when I saw this game, between how just fucking weird it looked and the fact that it was a rhythm game, uh, this was was something that was a purchase, an immediate purchase, uh, because it, it looked good and also because it was one of like four Dreamcast games I could find. Now, see, I thought I was pretty big into rhythm games, and then I met Jeremy P. Mm. And this this guy is way into rhythm games. Mm. Uh, he, he played such deep cuts as Mad Maestro on the PlayStation. Oh, oh yes. yeah, that's a great um, one. Which was was there one with a B that you played as? Oh, uh, that was not a rhythm game. That's just Mr. Mosquito. Okay, okay. that was something. Okay, but uh, uh, Britney's dance beat. Uh, that was mm-hmm. a thing. I did finish Britney's dance beat. Yeah, I did. So yeah. going out of your way to find any rhythm game that you could find, I stuck with the more mainstream stuff. 
And yeah. then <laughs> I, I met, you know, he, we used to kind of uh, write articles for a website and, and ones that were coming in for these very strange rhythm games that I had never heard of on the PlayStation. I was like, well, he's, he's the other guy that I know that actually plays rhythm games. Well, mm. and as soon as this was out, I mean, I, I was a big Dreamcast guy like Billy. I got it on launch day, but I was still working in a game store. So it was like it was everything in my universe at that time was the Dreamcast mm. coming out. Uh, Space Channel 5 was not a launch title. It came out in Japan. Uh, Dreamcast came out here in uh, 99.99, so it's 20 years now. Uh, but uh, Space Channel 5 didn't come out until the next year uh, in the mm-hmm. U.S. and Europe. It was out in the very end of 1999 in Japan and the next year here. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was as soon as I saw it in magazines, as soon as it was on, on the, the shelves to sell, I had a copy that night. I went home and, and played it, and I probably finished it night one. Generally, rhythm games are not hard. Uh, sometimes they are a little tricky. Sometimes they have a few things you have to learn, or it's just long. Like, uh, like I mentioned, I just bought those Persona Dancing All Night games, and they probably have like 25 tracks on each, and each track is long. Each track is five-plus minutes. Uh, so th- those are going to take me a while. Uh, Space Channel 5 is a short game. It's got four levels. Each level is about 10 to 12 minutes long, and that includes watching all the... Uh, each level is kind of its own little story, and so there's there's pretty long sections where you actually don't do anything but watch the story progress. In Space Channel 5, you play as Ulala, a uh, international space reporter, and you've been sent on... Uh, to go cover a story where people are being captured by these aliens called Marolians who are making them dance or at least freezing them so they can capture them later uh, to music so they spin around in circles. And your job is to go there and essentially dance off against all the aliens to uh, to free people and find out exactly what's causing this alien havoc. So to move that story forward, there are large sections where you don't really do anything but watch. That's it. It all fits to the music. It's it's a very, very musical game. Um, I mean, the entire thing goes on the... It's all kind of based around one song. Yes, there are some different songs in every level, but they kind of go back to the same refrain and the same the same feeling. So essentially, you're playing through an hour long of, of one modified track. I mean, it's not as annoying as that sounds, but if you played it and you've heard the music, and I'm going to put it obviously in the episode, it's all very similar. It all goes together, and it all kind of goes back to that same, you know, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Dun, dun, and they all do that. Now take it to the launch pad. Roger. Oh no, there's more. Use the X button if you hear them say choo. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Here we go. Stay tuned. And that's that's how you progress through the levels. It all makes sense. It all clicks. So unlike a game like Parappa, which has sections where you're allowed to freestyle and do your own thing and, and make your own score, although I never understood how that worked in Parappa. I mean, I understood how to do it, but how to make your freestyle actually make points mm-hmm. as opposed to just being some random thing that luckily scored, I never figured that out. But but this game, you don't, you don't have any chance to do your own thing. It is literally Simon. It is Simon with a really, really pretty backdrop and some some interesting music and and a, a a crazy story about aliens trying to to kidnap people and make them dance um but but really every level is you know you're you're, you're going through the level and you're running some aliens the aliens in this game are called marolians and they're just like the little cartoon aliens with two eyes on stalks or whatever and they make people dance and as people behind them are stuck dancing and they can't do anything else you you challenge the aliens to a dance-off and their dance-off is just using the directional pad to go up down left right or the x button to shoot and later on and although it's still in the first level later on you get the uh, another button that's a rescue button so if on the screen aliens pop up to the left and it says like left left shoot then you push left left and the shoot button and then if they say left left uh, and it's shoot again but then there's you know people that are obviously looking to be rescued you have to make sure you use the rescue button or you shoot them uh, and you don't get any points uh, the, the goal of the levels as in any rhythm game is to get through as much as you can with as few mistakes as possible to get to the the end of this 10 minute stretch uh, unlike most music games though this is more set up into little kind of maybe maybe two minute sections where you have a health bar that shows up at the top of the screen with a number of hearts and you have to do a series of those Simon games to, to get through the level. And then at the end of that, your health bar goes away. You get to watch a little cinematic thing. And then it goes to the next part of the same song most of the time. And you have a brand new health bar. Um, unfortunately, when you die, if you die, make enough mistakes, you lose all your hearts. Um, your main character ends up going back to the very beginning of the whole stage. So even though each of those sections is their own section with their own health bar, 
uh, so you can make the same number of mistakes in those, you still have to start over the entire stage, which, mm-hmm. yes, there's only four of them, and yes, it's only 10 to 12 minutes. In the scheme of things, that's not long. But if, for example, you get to the boss of each level, because each level has kind of a big cartoony boss dance-off fight, uh, you have to go through the entire level again to get to that boss. Uh, and it does get a little bit tedious. I mean, uh, as opposed to a game that has a little more freedom of what you're doing or shorter levels, uh, 12 minutes... 10 to 12 minutes in a music-based game for each song is is pretty long. Yeah, and, and especially considering if you're going to lose, I think it's probably going to be at that boss. Um, uh, I will talk about, I found, you know, the stages were, were, were well enough to get through. I'm not going to say easy enough to get through because, you know, they, they would throw you a curve here and there. Um, but yeah, I found that if I did lose, it was at a boss. And yes, it is extremely, extraordinarily frustrating maybe not the first time because it, it's it's a catchy game and it's a nice looking game and there are plenty of little details here and there i mean one of my favorite things uh you know the better you do on these encounters the the bigger of a, a posse you pick up as you're as you're strutting and, and dancing through the level and just watching the little animations for these people as your, your group grows i it's i it's just little details like that 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 i love about this but uh, you know, so redoing it once isn't that bad. Maybe again, but you know, if you're really struggling towards the end of a level, and you are this is about your third or fourth time uh, of marching through these levels, yeah, I mean, you've got it kind of down to to memory at that point, and you're getting through it. But it's definitely a time sink. Whereas, I mean, on Parappa, I think the levels were maybe four or five minutes at best, maybe shorter on some of them. Uh, yeah, the, the length here, it would have been nice to have like a little checkpoint thing in there. Uh, it may be, you know, one of my few complaints about this is that, uh, I would get a little frustrated having to repeat for sure. And we mentioned that this was like, you know, kind of like Simon says it is, you are memorizing basically moves. Um, but you still have to do it in a rhythm. Like you can't just, you know, if it says up, down, up, down, up, down, like you can't just put in up down up down up down Mm -hmm. like it has Mm -hmm. to be in the rhythm that the game tells you yeah otherwise it's just it's going to bring your rating down uh and you know you're not going to be it's going to be bad for you basically um but i don't know about you guys but i got my dreamcast hooked this up to my tv and started playing it and i was like this is way way harder than i ever remember this game being and that was because i like a lot of these games um, a lot of these older games anyway, trying to play them on a newer TV has a lot of input lag. Mm-hmm. And I totally forgot about that. <laughs> and so, yeah, trying to play this game now on a, on a, like a newer TV that has any sort of input lag over maybe like 20 or 30 milliseconds, which mine is kind of sitting at, uh, is, is not, is not conductive for playing old school rhythm games because a lot of them made their difficulty based on how precise you had to be. And if that timing is off at all, then it's it's impossible, basically. Uh, so I, I do. I was lucky enough to have an old TV around that I just pl- plugged it into that, and it was much easier. So I don't know if either of you ran into that, but that is definitely something. Anyone that wants to play the original game, and maybe even the re-release, uh, should probably look out for if you, if you have a newer TV, just because all of these TVs have some sort of uh, input lag associated with them. I definitely ran into that, and and you know Billy just mentioned as you're going through the level, as you save these people, they they show up behind you and start dancing, and so your group gets bigger and bigger, and some of them actually have special instruments, so it changes. I mean, it doesn't change the song, but it adds an extra line of guitar lead over you know part of the song, or everyone. They, it's at a certain point, you can get a uh, space Michael Jackson, and when you have him, he changes how everyone dances, <laughs> and and if you make mistakes in a segment after you earn people, you can watch them get trapped again by the aliens. They basically start shaking and have this, these circles go around them, and you lose them. You lose whatever their, their extra tweak was to your song. So you lose Space Michael almost immediately on every playthrough I've ever had because the next section after Space Michael is one of the more difficult sections, especially with that input lag issue. And the other thing that makes that a huge problem is if you're trying to save people, it's not like every time you push the button or push a direction you make a mistake then it only affects that push of that button if it says for example left shoot 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 right shoot 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 if you hit 
the left the first time, you left, shoot, 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 and you miss the right button. You hit down or up, or you just forget to hit right in the right sequence. It'll go left, shoot, 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 and the shoot does nothing. So if you're shooting a rescue beam to save people or you're shooting aliens to try to make sure you don't lose your people, uh, it doesn't do anything. If you miss that one direction, it kind of throws off the, the rest of the commands attached to that chain. So there's, it, it's kind of a, a, a double-edged sword in that, yes, it's not a big deal. You can make a mistake on every note or one note, and you still only lose one heart to that segment. So if you have five hearts and there's, you know, you make 60 mistakes in one segment, it only takes away one heart. But that could ruin the chance to capture, you know, four different people and, and kill three different aliens to save three other people that are already in your, tri- in your row. So if you're trying for 100% of the game, which I've never successfully done, Especially right now with the input lag, there was no chance. I don't. I didn't get through one level without making at least one or two minor mistakes. Uh, it, it's it's very frustrating if you're trying for 100 percent and you know you have to play through the entire level each time you make a mistake. Oh, it is. That I, I tried to get 100 percent the first level, and after an hour of attempting it and hearing the same song for six full 10 minute segments, I was like, you know what? I'm going to just continue. I got to the next level. It's not hard to make it to that next level for progression. It's not like it expects you to do. Uh, you know, 100%, honestly, in most levels, if you get to like a, a, a level you know, 60 or 70% of your of your completions being on time, you'll probably get to the next level to see the end. I mean, that's that's really the point of playing through the first time is to see the story. It doesn't change anything drastically, but it does, you know, adds those little tweaks that Billy mentioned that actually mm-hmm. really kind of make this stand out, is that, that as you're playing, all these little extra things fly around if you're doing really well. And if not, okay, you'll still see the story. You'll still get all the music. You'll still still get to dance against aliens, but you just might miss those little tweaks, like having Space Michael change your entire group to to do the the little thing where he looks like he's gonna throw glitter or whatever. I mean, it's it's <laughs> I I love those little tweaks. And I'll tell you, just fucking, I, I am so pleased that, that at least Jeremy P. I, I imagine everyone. Uh, the part with damn Space Michael is incredibly hilarious. Um. <laughs> And, and that's essentially what I sat there waiting to play towards. I couldn't wait that long uh, when we first saw we were going to play this. Space Michael is the first thing that came to mind. And instead of playing to that part, I was on YouTube to look up the Space Michael part. Uh, that has always been just a joy, that that part, to hear Michael Jackson let out a, a cry in between every turn, both yours and uh, uh, the, the uh, computer. Careful, the security system's been tampered with. Okay. Look, they've got Space Michael. Doodle-la-la. Let's dance. Up, right, left, down. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Woo. Up, right, left, down. Choo, choo, choo. And it's, it's just a, a moment of just hilarity. Still to this day, like it's one of the most amusing things in a video game to me. It's just one of those games that it, it keeps your attention by just wanting to see what's next, what mm-hmm. weirdness is, is going to be on screen next. Uh, the story itself is just ludicrous, but charming in its own way. And, and the aliens themselves, like they're all pretty funny. Um, and, and just the, the setting, like it's such a strange looking game like there's just always stuff going on uh just just a bunch of weird shit everywhere and i think that's more than enough to probably keep people's attention playing it through at least for one time um but then i I guess after that it's it's just a matter of how much you want to try perfecting it or maybe showing somebody else that this actually exists and isn't something you just dreamed up Uh, but yeah i mean uh, there's really not much to do after you beat this 40 minute game yeah, it's it's under an hour. I mean, for, it's 10 to 12 minutes per level, and there are, you know, the intro and, and the ending doesn't count towards that. The ending's a little, not long, but it has another five minutes or so. So, so you can play through this entire game in an hour. A- again, up until, for me specifically, up until the very last set of, of, you know, last boss fights of the game, I guess. Last boss dance-offs, whatever you want to call them. I don't really have any problems. I can get through the first three levels of this, um, you know, unless I'm having some ridiculous... Uh, problems with the, that input lag on this uh, current TV setup. I still didn't have too many problems. I got through levels one and two without worrying about it. I had some problems in three, uh, but I but I got through them. And four was really the level where I started really really regretting not having an older TV around my house anymore because mm-hmm. it was it was getting pretty unbearable. Uh, 
Full disclosure, I did not play the Dreamcast version of this for this podcast. I no longer have a copy of for the Dreamcast, but I do have the PlayStation 2 re-release that comes with Space Channel 5 2. It mm-hmm. is exactly the same game, and it had exactly this same problem. So I'm, I, I, I knew it was already an issue because I had read that someplace, but it is, uh, it's pretty painful. I don't know. I, yeah, it's just one of those things that, like, it... I, I guess in newer games, any sort of rhythm game, it just kind of makes, uh, you know, they know that there's going to be some sort of input lag. So it's a little bit more forgiving. But man, those older rhythm games, they, they didn't give you any chance. It was You had to be <laughs> pretty damn precise uh, to get any sort of anything close to a passing grade, especially like I, I played Parappa not too long ago. You got to be pretty goddamn accurate in that game. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure how I did it as a kid because I sure as hell couldn't do it as an adult, even on like a regular TV set. I was actually having difficulties, but I had that thing mastered as a kid. Uh, but it, it's just weird going back to those those older rhythm games and, and seeing how exact you have to be. Uh, it's not so bad in, in Space Channel 5, but there, it, it's still it, when it reared its head, it was something that just annoyed the hell out of me. Well, especially because it does lose those little tweaks. And, it, and it, that really is kind of a... A shame that this issue is happening because I think it really does add a lot, especially for the first time you're playing through to see those things. And if you're making mistakes, you're not going to notice that. You're not going to notice that, oh, I saved the keyboard player and now it adds this extra little keyboard line over everything. And, you know, I heard it for 13 seconds and I made a mistake and didn't hear it again. I totally didn't realize it was happening. So uh, I can see how that's that's definitely an issue in, in these games. I thought this was actually worse than Parappa. I've played Parappa again recently. And I always thought Parappa was a little touchy. If you didn't do the, the, it wasn't even a matter of timing. I mean, timing was there, but especially because you're supposed to freestyle to get as good as you can get. And that was never really defined very well in the game. I could never determine why things I was doing were getting me better scores. Because I would do the same thing two or three times in a row and I'd get different reactions each time. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm sure that timing is a big part of Parappa, but that was not as big for me as this. This definitely had some times where, because you have to follow um, exactly what they do and... Uh, and this actually isn't even an input lag issue as much as this is a game um, animation, a, a game animation issue. When you have a, a series of quick commands like up, right, left, down, shoot, shoot, down, the animation for the character, even how they say those words, is not actually right when you hit the button. It's it's kind of right after you hit the button, and they don't fully animate through the rest of those things. So it looks really jerky if you actually watch a fast series of commands as opposed to being a really smooth you know when it's slower that she actually goes up right left down you can see her move her arms around it all looks very smooth it very fast it gets jerky and then if you're watching her and listening and trying to play it i found that threw me off with my timing as well and that wasn't even an input lag issue that's just kind of how the game is yeah that's that with parappa that was a thing for me too um, when it starts to speed up, it just it becomes uh, your character's just doing these uh, these unnatural movements. Because yes, her animation, pretty much for everything, you know, up, down, left, or right, is like a very deliberate uh, motion, and it, it has a, a full range of motion. But yeah, um, that that throws me off a little bit too. Uh, it's just one of those things that you just have to repeatedly play through this and and you're kind of able to ignore it a little bit. But yeah, it is a little bothersome. And, and it is one of those things where you do wish they would have maybe, uh, you know, for the times that it's going to be a little quicker like that, made a, a quicker animation or, or something along those lines. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I guess I just attest that to one of those old, you know, rhythm game problems. Well, Space Channel 5, even though it was on the Dreamcast, which was arguably not a success, uh, unless you're in my heart, uh, it did well enough for Sega to put out a sequel. However, that sequel did not come to the U.S. uh, for for Space Channel 5 2 until the PlayStation version that came out that actually included Part 1, since Part 1 was never out here. Uh, So that's the version I have now. I don't know, have either of you guys played Space Channel 5 2? Yeah, I I got it on that collection, and actually you can pick it up on Steam also. Yes, Um which I, but not part one, unfortunately. Um, but but yeah, I did play uh, two on Steam for a little bit. You know, kind of after I finished one. Um, you know, obviously much better in the the input uh, lag department. Uh, but yeah, I, I was so excited to pick that collection up and 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 pick up part two, which I mean doesn't disappoint, uh, doesn't innovate, but doesn't disappoint either. And, and I never actually played the second one I, I didn't get that collection but uh, i was always curious if, if it was just more space channel five and it kind of sounds like that's what it is there's more space michael 
Oh, there's a lot more Space Michael. And I didn't know, uh, we didn't really clarify this. Space Michael is actually Michael Jackson. It's, he voiced the character. He actually was very excited when he, he played some demo of Space Channel 5 at some point and wanted to be involved. And Sega said, sure. Uh, but it was too late in development to put him a lot in the first game. So they gave him that little cameo section where you save him and he makes people dance. Uh, but the second game, he's an actual character. Uh, he's got almost like a whole stage dedicated to Space Michael. And, uh, and it's him. It's him doing the voice. <laughs> he had some insight and, and some input into what the, uh, the game would do with his character. So I thought that was really cool. That makes it the second Michael Jackson-related game we've covered. Uh, maybe we'll have more coming in the future. I don't know if there are any more. But I would definitely cover them if they were. It is, it is a better game than Space Channel 5. It doesn't do a lot new. It does a few things. It has the ability to hold uh, like the, the shoot button longer, almost like a charge attack would be. But in this game, in a lot of rhythm games, they have it where you can either tap the button or hold the button down for a length. It adds that. And the game is, I think the levels are all a little bit shorter, but there's more of them. There's six levels. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, it's a whole new story and, and everything. And it's a little cleaner looking. It's a, it's a later game, so it, it's a little bit nicer looking. But, yeah, if you, if you didn't like Space Channel 5, Space Channel 5 2 isn't going to change your mind one bit. And if you no. did like Space Channel 5, I can't imagine that you would not have enjoyed Space Channel 5 Part 2. I definitely did. Um, and that, they did port it on the Game Boy. Um, there is a, apparently a, a VR version coming out for the PlayStation. I don't know. Is it a whole new game or is it, it, it like a redo? Uh, it's, it's apparently a whole new game. Um, I, I don't know if it's like a, 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 you know, a VR. You never know if it's going to be like a full game or if it's like a, you know, a 30 minute run through. Um, apparently you play a, a, I guess, a cameraman or a, like a rookie news reporter or someone on the news team that is following uh, the, you know, the main character along. Really? A, a VR Space Channel 5? 2019, really? That's, I mean, it's still tended. It's a, it's a to be determined 2019, which I mean, we are mid September right now. So, uh, somebody's probably going to have to gun it sometime soon. That's, I hadn't even heard of that. I, I got to stop using that headset for, for other than just porn at this point. I, I'm pretty sure there's like actual good games on that. And, uh, a VR Space Channel 5 kind of sounds pretty good. Mm-hmm. at least it's interesting and and yes there's only been two real games in this series and apparently a third one coming out but you know Ulala has become kind of a, a sega mascot character they re- reused she's in the uh, the sonic racing games she was in the sega tennis on what the xbox 360 she's she's someone that sega keeps around and puts in things wherever they can uh but she just does not have a whole lot of starring games and and i can kind of see why how many times would you want to play space channel 5 with a different story over and over and over again. And the answer so far has been two, maybe three. <laughs> uh, but I would definitely play those two or three times. I like this game. I do like rhythm games. I think if you don't like rhythm games, it's probably not going to change your mind. But if you do like that kind of 60s space sci-fi, but also the the kind of the, the late 60s fashion, then you might really, really like this just for the aesthetics of it. But I think if, if you like rhythm games at all, it's catchy. It is fun to play, and it'll hold your attention, definitely. The, the, every time I play it, especially if you're trying to get to 100%, it's, it's cool to see all the little tweaks you get as you don't make mistakes uh, to kind of add into the music to the game. Yeah, and, and I, I kind of echo those sentiments. I think uh, rhythm game fans are going to love it. Uh, this is not one of those that is going to probably win over people that have tried those games in the past and, and not enjoyed them. Uh, but yeah, I, and like Jeremy P. just said, like I said earlier on, it's all about like the little details in this game that keep you coming back. Because I mean, you can play this game a ton. And if you mess up the same time and you finally get it right, I mean, you could have been playing this thing for a long while and there's some little detail there's there's like an extra person in your group there that that changes the music up a little bit uh and i really appreciate games like that that just have so many just tiny details to them things to kind of look forward to uh i wouldn't say it's quite enough to to warrant multiple multiple playthroughs unless you're you're striving for that hundred percent um i think that's a a an effort i gave up a long time ago but yeah, any anybody that, that loves rhythm games uh, and you haven't delved into this one, uh, you owe it to yourself to at least give this one a shot. Um, but you, it, it's it's not that forgiving. So if you're used to some more modern ones where you can uh, can be maybe off just by a split second or so, and and still have them have them count it for you. I mean, there's there's no okay good 
excellent bad on this. It's either great or you fucked up. And, you know, if, if that sounds good to you, then then jump in. Uh, yeah, I, I echo the same thing. I, I, it's, I, I really enjoy this game. Um, for me, generally, uh, a rhythm game is all about just the characters and the weird story and the music. Mm-hmm. And I think this game probably has the worst music I've ever heard in a rhythm game i can't stand the music like i actually had this playing in the background uh during uh earlier and just the music itself drives me crazy i can't stand it but everything else about this game i i kind of really love uh there's just, there's a lot here to to really like there's a lot of charm to it and yeah i, I do I, I i totally recommend it with the one caveat caveat of just maybe have an older tv to play it on unless mm. you have like a newer tv that has very low latency um, then uh, definitely play this on something something older so that you can yeah. actually get a, an experience that isn't just <laughs> horrible. And I would definitely recommend, uh, if you do want to try Space Channel game, um, and if, if nothing else, pick up the second one on Steam. Uh, and they're you know, playing on the computer there. You're not going to run into that issue, fortunately. Uh, I think this one ran, it ran pretty fluid for me. Um, if, you, if you really want to get into the series and you have no... No good way of playing, you know, the first one um, without the the input lag because it's like you get used to the game and then you have to get used to that uh, thrown in, you know, forced mechanic on top of it. I think it could be a little off putting for a lot of people. Space Channel Five. So that's our first Dreamcast game, Space Channel 5. Uh, we recommend it. I don't know how many more times we're going to visit the Dreamcast or PS2 or any of the, the more recent systems we just added in, uh, but we definitely want to do it again. I just don't want to become an only Dreamcast and PS2 podcast, so we'll we'll see how infrequently or frequently we hit it, but I guarantee we've got at least, at least one more uh, coming up in the next few months as we come close to Halloween month coming up. Mm. Uh, but... At the beginning of the show, we talked about the Nintendo Direct and how the Super Nintendo is going to be, or is now, uh, added to the, the, quote, free games if you subscribe to the Switch Online service. And, uh, and so we're going to cover one of those for our next bonus show, which will be next week. And then the following week, our next full episode is going to be our next patron-requested episode uh, by our $10 patrons. Uh, it's going to be on the NES, and I will probably give other hints on our Twitter account up until the episode comes out. But uh, as always, I believe, because I know the form is still there, and it's very appealing that we have some amazing listener questions. We do, actually. I, it, we've made it to episode 101, and uh, that doesn't mean we're not taking questions anymore. Uh, that contact form is uh, just as strong as it's always been on Retrovania.net. Uh, if you scroll all the way down to the bottom, uh, it's, it's right there. You can put in your name, a subject, and whatever the hell you want to ask us and send it in, and we'll probably answer it. And to prove that, uh, we're going to start with the chattest this week uh, with Hey Retrovaniacs over the course of listening to your backlog of shows, I've come to deduce that most or all of you are from the South. So it's time to prove just how Southern you are with my question. And that is, it's lunchtime, you're hungover, and there's a Bojangles on the left and a Sheets on the right. Which do you choose? By the way, if none of you are Southern, then ignore my failure of an email and detective work. Well, I wonder how Southern this person is, because you don't go left or right. You go on straight down the road to the Waffle House. <laughs> there you go, dude. Uh, oh, man. I'd go to the Sheets to get my damn drink, but I'd go to the Bojangles to get me a Cajun filet with cheese and a picnic dirty rice. I mean, I'm not... Uh, I mean... I'm in a state that arguably is not southern or southern, depending on if you're north or south of it, uh, just outside of the D.C. area. I'm in Maryland. Uh, I would say because Bojangles is not common here, whenever you find one, you go to that Bojangles. Sheets is more of a I don't know where I am. Uh, It's two in the morning. There is a Sheets. I'm going to go there. Uh, Mm. But if I'm hungover at any time during the the, the day, a Bojangles is where I'm going to go. Maybe that's not the right southern answer, but it's mine. You know, well, I didn't factor in the fact that he's saying hungover, so I assume it's morning. I I have not been to the Waffle House while it is light outside. So I'll factor that in. I'll stick with the Bojangles order with sheets. I think Waffle House is for the night before when you were fucking drunk off your ass and, and wanting to eat something. 
Well, I don't have either of those. So mm. I, go, I, I go to the Chick-fil-A and cry with my delicious chicken sandwich. Um, okay. Anyway, next, uh, next question is uh, Mike Farrell. Uh, and his subject is games on a whim. And uh, he writes in to ask, I got an NES fairly late in the cycle and lived near an outlet mall. The combination of those two factors made for a fair amount of untested cheap game purchases. Some were great, like Kickmaster, and some were less, like Phantom Fighter. Question, what are your favorite and least favorite games you bought on a whim without ever playing before? And was there ever a game you bought, hated, and played anyway, because that's just what you had? (laughs) Uh, I, I was pretty bad for this especially with any kind of like uh, back in the nes days for your wisened up to it uh any kind of movie or cartoon tie-in i it i ended up with such games at well my video store um not blockbuster we had a smaller kind of it was a you know a local locally owned video store and they were the first video store i know of to, to put out you know kind of uh the, some used games and movies. I, granted, it was a very small section, uh, but it was something worth, you know, every couple weeks checking out. Uh, and there, there was something there I would pick up every now and then. Cause, I mean, you could get an NES game for for ten dollars or so. It was unheard of at the time uh, for for a place to put out, you know, used games and whatnot. But uh, between that and yes, my close proximity to a couple flea markets, uh, I was able to pick up some games for for a little bit cheaper uh, not much really but you know a little bit and i would end up with such things as that that fucking bill and ted nes game uh that's how i happened upon fucking predator which i have a storied history with first game that ever made me damn cry um yeah you would just you would snatch up a lot bugs bunny's damn birthday blowout i bought because it was cheap and it was there yeah at the brewers movie club yeah um yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, a lot of games I bought on, and I mean, all of them I bought on a whim, I fucking played through because I was uh, one. It's it's what I had, and I, you know, was pretty good about finishing my games then. So, I mean, this is like the only game I have now that I haven't played through to the end. So, damn right I'm going to play it. And two, I did not want to admit that I was, even to myself, that I had made a bad purchase. I was going to fucking enjoy that game, whether I liked it or not. Um. So, yeah, I, I think uh, it was good and bad. It was good for my my NES library as far as quantity to live near a couple places that were, were kind of selling them a little cheaper, but it, it, it I definitely took a hit in the quality department. Uh, I definitely bought, I mean, we, we probably answered the question of, you know, what games you bought that were disappointed many times. Uh, mm-hmm. As far as things on a whim, I don't want to use too many Nintendo games there. While they were purchases that were made, uh, most of the time out of desperation because, you know, the only thing near us that had games was a, a military exchange that only had a handful of games at a time. Uh, it also, though, we, we read enough Nintendo Power and we read everything we could find, other magazines and like those those awful books you'd buy at a book fair that was like 50 top secret NES games. And it was just, you know, hey, and Mario, did you try jumping? But I still read every one of those books. And, and so I always felt like I was pretty good at, at NES. It's the later systems or handhelds. Like when I got a Game Boy... And I would only get a new Game Boy game if we were going on a on a trip, on a family vacation. My parents refused to fly anywhere. We would drive up and down the East Coast on vacations to visit family and stuff. So I'd be stuck in a car with my two younger brothers. I had a Game Boy, so I would be able to get a new game. And, of course, it was like, well, we'll stop on the way out of town at, you know, whatever we could find that might sell games, you can pick one out. And so I never got, like, you mentioned Bugs Bunny. I got the Bugs Bunny's Crazy Castle on Game Boy for one of these trips. And... And that's not a very good game. It's just, it's a very simple puzzle game. Mm. But I still, I, I mean, I, it wasn't awful, but it wasn't good. I would never have bought it had I played it ever before. Uh, and it was, it was those kind of things that I remember getting and just being just disappointed with. But at the same time, to answer the very end of that first que- of the question, did, did you play those games over? Yes, I, I would beat every one of those games or play them to the point where I knew I'd never beat them. I don't think I ever was able to return a game. That was I don't even think it was allowed, but it was definitely not even in my my range of things I thought were even possible that I could take a game that was not good and return it and say, hey, this game wasn't any good. I like a new one. It was like, nope, you bought yourself a real turd. Better learn to like it. And that's also one of the things I like about this podcast. Every time I recommend a game, not just the Turbo Graphics games. My thought is always, is this game actually good? Or did I do exactly that? Did I take a game that's not very good and play it to the point where I convinced myself, this is a great game, or at least, hey, this is an interesting game. 
I I do that now still too, but but for this podcast, I I, I kind of learned to like almost all the games we cover. But you know, in the first five minutes, I'd say half of these games are ones you're like, I don't know, this may not be what I'm going to like or not. But you know, silent debuggers on the Turbografx-16 is one we covered, and I'm sure both of you guys were not impressed with that at all. But mm-hmm. I played that game for months and months and months and months and months, and I remember it being really really cool. And uh, and that's exactly the kind of situation that occurs when you buy something on a whim. Uh, yeah, I, I I swear people just keep writing in questions similar to this just to make me have flashbacks about Alpha Alpha Mission on <laughs> on the NES. Uh, but I, I mean that was really the one that I did on a whim and regretted instantly. But I still played that game uh, a lot. Uh, I, I guess maybe for me, I had grandparents that bought games for me on a whim, and uh, they weren't very good at it. Uh, I remember one time I went over to my mom's. Uh, side of the family and my grandma on that side uh, had had two games that she had found for me that I'm guessing she found where the best of the Kmart clearance bin and uh, one of them was Tiger Heli for the NES and the other one was Jaws oh. and I played both of those games uh, a lot I played my my more than my fair share of Jaws uh, so I yes when you, when you get a game you play it because that's what you have and you can't rent a game every other day or something like that especially back then uh, then on my stepmom's side, uh, I went over one day and uh, she was like, uh, like my grandma said, or grandma on that side of the family said, I got a game for you. It's like, oh, all right, let's What do you got? Ghostbusters for the NES. <laughs> and again, played the hell out of it because that's the game you get, you know, and they were just super excited because they knew I like Ghostbusters. So they were just, this has to be a good game. This has to be a great game for kids that like Ghostbusters. Uh, I, I probably sunk about 120 hours in the Ghostbusters on the NES because I didn't have anything else. Uh, that's just that's just how it was. Uh, anyway, go, moving on to uh, Noah W. Uh, he writes in to ask, uh, so if you're moving the hands of time forward to cover newer systems, what are the chances that I can finally get an episode about the GameCube's finest hour, Beautiful Joe? Thanks for existing. Actually, I would love to cover Beautiful Joe. Uh, it, it is not only on the GameCube, although that's what it was on first. You can find that on PS2. Uh, it, and that's the version I currently have in my house. But I did have the GameCube version, and I would be glad to discuss it. I liked Beautiful Joe. Uh, that does ruin the episode. I just told you that I liked it. Uh, but um, but I have not played it in a long time, and maybe I don't like it as much as I remember. Well, i got to say, I've never played Beautiful Joe. Um, and I don't know why. I really don't. It's one of those that I looked at it, and I looked at it, and so said, that looks interesting. I'd probably like that one, but it, but it just didn't happen. Um I was a GameCube era. I was probably just playing fucking Double Dash all the time. I didn't have I didn't have time for anything else. Um, but yeah, I, I would be fine covering that one. I mean, like I said, it's a game I'd always been wanting to to get around to. So it's a what better time, really? I never played it either. I, I again, I don't know why. Kind of like Billy, I love Capcom. I love their games, uh, but for some reason, I just never played Beautiful Joe on anything so uh yeah that actually be a pretty fun episode if we ever if we ever get around to it i, I believe gamecube is part of it can we do gamecube now? yeah gamecube's part of this this tier yeah. okay all right all right get that luigi's mansion episode going oh. uh, anyway next question uh and our final question uh troy davis uh writes in to say hey podcast dudes i know you don't talk about rpgs much but as a kid i was always looking for just about any rpg i could find in the NES and Super NES days, and it usually wasn't very easy. Very few ever seemed to be brought to the West, and the ones that were was lucky enough to make it to my lone video store in my town. Of course, I got the big ones like Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy, but I've always had a special place in my heart for stuff like Wizardry on the NES and Illusion of Gaia for the Super NES, which was an RPG I go out of my way to recommend to everyone since no one has apparently ever heard of it. Enough of my babbling, though. I want to know if any of you enjoyed any of those or other RPGs of that era. Yes, the reason we don't cover them as much is that, you know, we're, we're trying to now do uh, essentially a game a week, maybe two weeks if we're, uh, if we're really trying to stretch out for, for an RPG and have a kind of an easier game in the middle there. Uh, but even with two weeks, it was really, really tough to try to get enough time to play even a classic RPG. you got to remember that, you know, for the NES and Super Nintendo, 20 to 30 hours was considered a long RPG. Where now, you know, especially with, with PS4 and, and, uh, and the Xbox One, it's like, oh, this RPG can keep you busy for 350 hours. <laughs> so, but, but still, 20 solid hours that we would have 
in between doing everything else we're doing, plus any games we're currently playing. Uh, very, very difficult. So that, that's why we don't cover a lot of RPGs, not that we don't like them. Uh, I definitely like a lot of RPGs. And, and in fact, one of the things I was talking about was maybe it would be interesting to do for you know, for a month and see if people like it. Uh, in addition to the regular episodes, kind of do a, a play-along where we pick an old RPG and we tell everyone ahead of time, here's how far we're going to get in the next episode, and just we'll play it that week and talk about that segment of the game and do it again the next week for the next segment of the game and try to finish up one of these classic games in a, in a month time frame. Uh, that, that's an idea. I don't know if we're going to do it, but uh, but one of the ones that, that I was talking about was Fantasy Star. I love the original Fantasy Star. I know it's a little bit clunky, and, uh, and some of the later versions of, of the... Some of the later uh, chapters in that series are, are are significantly better than the first one, but something about that first Sega Master System RPG really really holds my interest. And uh, you mentioned Wizardry. I had Wizardry on my Commodore 64. I love those games. They're hard as nails. I never finished one. Uh, but if you like games like that, I do recommend the Etrian Odyssey series on the current uh, 3DS uh, and, and even the DDS for all the, the previous games. All of those, you don't need to play the previous to understand them or anything. They just kind of build off the same mechanics, but they're basically a very, very pretty wizardry with all new mechanics. Um, but yeah, I, I'd love to talk more about RPGs uh, as, as much as I can. I, I mean, I, I that, that's really the staple of what I played forever, and then at a certain point, I, I think I mentioned this in the Final Fantasy VIII episode, I got burned out on them because it's all I played. Uh, so the, I missed a lot of late PlayStation RPGs and PS2 RPGs until I got back into them uh, kind of in the Xbox 360. So uh, I, I, almost any old RPG I tried, I, I, I don't think there's one that I missed unless I totally just couldn't find it. Yeah, and I, I followed about the opposite trajectory that you did. I, this was something that I was I was very uh, slow to get into. I, I played, you know, Dragon Warrior on the, the NES and... Uh, Super Mario RPG on the, the Super Nintendo. Uh, but uh, RPGs were just, there was something I just, I don't know if it's a patience thing when I was younger or what. Uh, just something I really didn't get into until kind of the opposite of you, you know, later in the in PlayStation and Beyond era uh, is when I really started getting hooked on them. So, I mean, there is a, a, a ton of, of older RPGs that I, I have no, little to no experience with would, would love, love to cover, but yeah, it's like you said, it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a time thing. Um, it's, it's, it's a little harder sinking, you know, that, that 30 or some hours into a game, uh, doesn't mean there's a lack of desire to do so. And certainly if it's something we can figure out logistics of, I think it's something we would all love to, to bring to you guys. Uh, you know, we did Mario RPG, mm-hmm. Super Mario, and that's, a fairly short RPG in the, in the grand scheme of things. And, and even that was, was pushing it for yeah. us to get yeah. um, with that game. Uh, you know, it's still a great game, but yeah, that's, that's a lot of, a lot of hours to put in, uh, especially for people that also had jo- have jobs and things like that. But yeah, I mean, I love RPGs. I would love to cover them uh, even in kind of maybe like the format that Jeremy P mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, fin- finally get my uh, beloved Spike McFang on here somehow. Um but you know, it, it's uh, it's just really a matter of time, and it's uh, sometimes it, it's hard to do. There are definitely those shows that really just focus on RPGs, and I'm not sure how they do it. Uh, I, I don't know if they just do like one show every three months, because that's probably how long it would take us to just do your basic RPG. Like if we tried to do uh, Chrono Trigger or Final Fantasy VI or something like that, uh, that that's really hard to to push into a couple of weeks' time. Uh, but yeah, I, I'd be up for doing like uh, just a kind of play along or something like that, just to maybe get some more uh, some more RPGs uh, in, in, on the bonus shows or something like that. So if you have a question for us, as we mentioned at the beginning of the segment, please go to retrovania.net. There's an amazing question form you can send out, a contact form uh, that lets you ask us a question. We always answer them on the podcast. Yeah, you know, even if it's. Uh, <laughs> Even if it's about P, apparently. So we will all we love your questions. Please send them in. And otherwise, we will be back uh, for a bonus show next week. If you're a Patreon a Patreon supporter, if not, we'll be back in two weeks with a brand new NES review. Uh, until then, find us anywhere on Retrovania. Find us anywhere on the internet as Retrovania.net, or just go to Retrovania.net, where it shows all those links to all those social media sites. And we will see you next time.